religion. And we don't deserve that free gift. Um, But it's incredible to know uh, that we gain eternally from what Christ did upon the cross of Calvary. Uh, And I'm thankful for the fact um, that I gave my heart to the Lord and asked him to save me because there was nothing in my life that was worth anything. But God loved me so much that he died upon a cross for me. You know, I just, I I struggle to understand how people can go through life trusting in what this world has to offer. If if this is it, then, then what is the purpose of life? There's nothing. It's quite hopeless. It can be quite miserable. And you might say, well, that's a bit depressing. And yeah, life without Christ is just that. This world is not our home. You know, time is going quickly. Um, Time has flown by. I can't believe how quick time has gone since we came to Bethany. It just seems like, yes, and I can remember picking the key up off Brother Andrew and coming in to the church and kind of standing in the pulpit and looking around and thinking, what have I done? And then on the first Sunday, looking at the congregation and them looking back at me and them thinking, what have we done? (laughs) But that was like almost 20 years ago and it feels like yesterday. Time goes like that. We're not guaranteed tomorrow and if you were to die right now, where you sit, would you be in heaven? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then no, you won't be in heaven. You'll be in a place called hell. You'll be in a place that God has prepared for the devil and the angels that fell with him. But God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let me tell you something. God has not pre-selected a certain amount of people to go to heaven God has not pre-selected a certain amount of people to go to hell. Um, That is not the God that I serve. God would not turn around and say, well, you lot have got no chance. Therefore, what's the point? You are all destined to hell. No, no, my Savior hasn't got a limited amount of power in his blood to die on the cross, to only die for a few select people. For God so loved the world. Now, I'm not a a brainy person, I'm not a a Greek theologian, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, Um, but when he says he loved the world, I guess that means everybody in the world, and that includes you, that includes everybody in this building, that includes everybody that's watching online, that includes everybody that's not in this building, and everybody that's not watching online, and God is not willing that any should perish, if he selected a few people to go to hell, then God would be willing for people to perish. But he's not. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm saying that to say this. Tonight's Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about wolves in sheep's clothing. I read a a, 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 a a comment by Matthew Henry. And Matthew Henry said this, the one thing more dangerous than a wolf in sheep's clothing is a wolf in shepherd's clothing. There are plenty of false prophets in the world today. 
Um, and there are plenty of people that preach a message that is contrary to the word of God. Um, I, I said to somebody last night, um, I, I, I spoke in a meeting over in Fockrew last night, and I said to one of the gentlemen there who had a, a run-in uh, with a Calvinist, I said, my trouble is I'm too dull to be a Calvinist. I'm not intelligent enough to try and work out salvation. I've just got a childlike faith that Christ died for me. And I'm going to trust that until he takes me to glory. And then when we all get to glory, we'll all know as much as the Calvinists know. We'll be that intelligent. Jesus is beginning to wind down his message on the Sermon on the Mount. And he's calling for a choice from his listeners. And remember last time we looked at the, the narrow way and the broad way and we talked about the choice that everybody has to make. Well, it's interesting that after talking about the broad way, he then basically talks about the messengers that encourage people to travel that broad way. Uh, and in verse 13, he said, enter ye in at the straight gate. We're in Matthew chapter 7, sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. The men gather grapes or thorns or figs or thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Father, we thank you for this day, for this time together, and for this opportunity to come around your word. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to recognize um, when there is dangerous teaching in the world today. We have access to so much today. We have access to so much information at our fingertips on the internet. But Lord, not all of that information is edifying. Not all of that information is godly. Not all of that information is scriptural or spiritual. So Lord, would you help us to discern between that which is solid, sound Bible doctrine and that which is error, that which is heresy, and help us to recognize those um, faithful men of God who preach the word of God and those who are simply deceiving people by the multitude. Lord, we just ask that you would give us that discerning heart tonight and that you would speak to our hearts this evening as we come around your word. For we pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Here we see the Lord's warning uh, about false prophets. And he talks, first of all, about the declaration of false prophets. He said, beware of false prophets, declaring that they do exist. Chuck Swindle um, told the story about a, an unforgettable evening when a friend of his ate dog food. He wasn't starving. It wasn't a prank. Uh, neither was it a day. It happened at an elegant home of a doctor near Miami. 
The dog food was served on a delicate little cracker with a wedge of imported cheese, bacon chips, and an olive topped with a sliver of pimento. The hostess had just graduated from a gourmet cooking course and decided she would put her skills to the ultimate test. After doctoring up those, uh, uh, this food, she placed them on a silver tray. And with a sly grin, she watched them disappear. Swindle's friend could not get enough. He was wolfing them down and kept coming back for more. Evidently, the woman's friends were a pretty laid-back group because everybody had a good laugh when she told them that they, what they'd been eating. Um, and they couldn't work out why they kept chasing sticks. Um, but this story is a classic illustration of what goes on in another realm. That of spiritual, sorry, say it, that of spiritual deception. Um, it was made to look okay, and it was made to look fancy. And, you know, oftentimes we can look at things and say, well, yeah, that looks spiritual. That, that looks right. That, that looks as if it lines up with what the Bible says. But we need to recognize the fact that the devil can transform himself into an angel of light. It might look right. It might even sound right, but we are to prove all things by the word of God. We are, Paul said that to the, the believers at Thessalonica, prove all things. You know, oftentimes, um, people don't know what they get in. Um, how easy is it for people to be led astray because somebody says something that sounds plausible, maybe sounds a little bit more less judgmental than some preaching, maybe sounds a little bit more comfortable than some preaching, but they might not be biblically, scripturally, doctrinally right. Uh, and we need to be able to discern between right and wrong. Um, you know, it's quite easy, and, and Brother Andrew and I have had these um, discussions on countless occasions, the amount of times we've heard of somebody going into a church, a fairly good church, a fairly decent church, and because they may not have been called by the Lord, they may not have been right with the Lord, and they've absolutely destroyed the work. And we need to be aware of wolves in sheep's clothing. We're told time and time again, mark those that cause discord among the brethren. Be careful of uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. I, I um, bless him. Pastor Trevor Jones is with the Lord now. Um, but I always remember something uh, that he said. He had just become the pastor of uh, Salem Baptist Church. And I think he spoke here. Um, it might have been either here or up in Anasia for the GPA conference. And he stood in the pulpit and he said, it's, it's hard for me to get used to being called pastor. The word pastor literally means shepherd. That's, that's all basically the word pastor means. He said, I, I don't really see myself as a shepherd. He said, I see myself more as a sheepdog. Because he said, my responsibility is to just listen to the shepherd's call as he directs me to guide the sheep. Um, and I really love that, that simple illustration. You know, we are, we are sheep. Um, and that's not a compliment because sheep are quite dull. But we are all sheep. But what we need to be careful of is the wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, sometimes people can creep in and, and you know, you, you, I think we've got it in our constitution and a lot of churches have got it in their, their constitutions that if, some, if a, a group of believers come from another church and suddenly turn up, you know, there's kind of provisions 
in the constitution so that you know they don't have the opportunity to kind of outvote the membership if they came into membership. Why? Because we want to protect the gathering of believers. We want to protect the sheep. We want to protect the pulpit. And we want to make sure that people are not coming in as wolves in sheep's clothing. And Jesus says, beware. Beware of these false prophets. And that word, um, beware, literally means to be on guard. Pay close attention. You know, if you read something, um, maybe from a devotion, maybe you listen to a sermon, and if you, if you think, ooh, ooh, that sounds good, beware, put it up against God's word, and if it doesn't contradict what God's word says, and, you know, then, then that's great. But just beware, because not everybody um, who sounds the part and looks the part and acts the part is a genuine sheep or shepherd. Beware, be on your guard. That word beware was also a nautical term used to steer the ship. Be careful who you listen to. And I've said this from the very beginning, you know, if I say something from the pulpit and I'm wrong, then I would want somebody to come and speak to me. And if I'm saying something, oftentimes I think, oh, you know, this is probably not what has been traditionally taught. I'll always give Brother Andrew a little glance and if he's nodding his head, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'll carry on preaching. But the minute he starts shaking his head, I'd be like, okay, let's close in prayer. We are to prove all things. You know, and if you think that I've said something that's untoward from the pulpit, then, you know, Matthew 18 says, you go out with your brother, go and speak to him. Look at the scripture. If I'm wrong, come and speak to me, and I'd be happy to uh, let you know why I'm right. But Jesus says, beware. Just simply be focused. Remain on guard. Um, you know, how many of you uh, would ever have, you know, a school teacher say to you, right, sit up and pay attention. Um, Joe, when she used to teach the little ones, always used to do this thing where she'd like, you know, wiggle your fingers and she'd kind of just get their attention. I can't remember what she did in total. I know wiggling your fingers was one of them, but it was, and then it was putting the thinking cap on her. And she was just doing that to get the kids' attention so that they listened to the story. Um, I'm sure back in your day when you were in school, it wasn't sit up and pay attention. It was suddenly a board, a board rubber would come flying across, across the classroom. That got your attention. And that's what the Lord is saying. He's literally throwing a board rubber at us and saying, hey, pay attention. Beware. Be on your guard. Be on the lookout. Why? Because there is a very present aspect of danger um, that is very, very real. Beware always warns of danger. For any of our church that has ever gone out handing out the leaflets, especially Clive and especially Rostin, uh, who've, who've come a cropper uh, because of dogs being behind the door, um, you pay close attention when a door says, Beware, dog. I was delivering leaflets once and I came up, uh, you know the, 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 the main road in Hopkins down there, the, the front of the houses are on the main road, but actually the letterbox are on the back of the houses. So I was uh, delivering leaflets and I came through the back gate and I said, beware dog. So I was like, right, okay, I had a look. I don't like dogs. I had a look and I said, no, there's nothing in the, in the garden great. So I kind of opened the gate and I went to put the leaflet through the door and the dog jumped up on the door, and I thought, oh, he's big. But not only did he jump up on the door, he jumped up on the door handle and opened the door. So I, in my haste, 
kind of threw the leaflet in through the door, ran up the steps, and shut the gate, and he comes up to the gate and opens the gate, puts his paw up on the latch and opens the gate. I've gone. I'm like, I'm, if you, if you Usain Bolt was there, I would, have, I would have passed him. But I was literally just running. I would have probably looked ridiculous. But when a sign says, beware of the dog, you know, if I'm out leafleting, especially if I'm out leafleting with, and, and I'm with my dad, if I see beware of the dog, I'm like, dad, you take this one. Get rid of the older ones first. But we kind of, you know, we, we pay attention to those signs. I, first time I ever went to Switzerland, as a, I think it was about 11 or 12 years of age, I was in Switzerland. And uh, we, we had this little chalet up in the, up in the mountains. And uh, we were out playing. And we came, I came across this fence. And I just, of course, I grabbed hold of this fence. And I, I wondered why my body was doing that. It was an electric fence. I was holding on to an electric fence. And my brother literally had to, like, knock me off this fence. But when I saw beware... And a nice little zigzag sign. Um, obviously, it wasn't beware. It was like a, a tension or something because it was in French. But you kind of pay notice then and pay attention to those warning signs. I'm saying all of that to say this. The beware, the warning signs are not because something pleasant is about to happen. It's because there's something dangerous. And the Lord is saying, beware. This is a warning sign. Beware of false prophets. Um, false prophets are more than wrong. They're dangerous. So protect your minds from them. Um, Peter says this, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of all things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. We are to beware of false prophets because they present themselves as the genuine article. They present themselves in sheep's clothing, but they are really wolves. They are not what they claim to be. False prophets are wolves in character, but they're disguised as sheep. And when you think about it, none of us would um, kind of look at a sheep and go, oh, my days, oh, look at that, That's, oh, run away, run away, it's a sheep. Because they're a little bit like fluffy and you know, just wander around. This is part of the furniture in Wales. But I tell you what, if I run away from a dog, I'm definitely going to run away from a wolf. Because they don't look pleasant and fluffy. But wolves are disguised as sheep. And while this disguise in our text is figurative in language, it actually took place during uh, the um, time of prophets. When a shepherd watched his flocks upon the hillside, his garment was literally a sheepskin um, with the skin on the outside and the fleece on the inside. Um, a man might wear a shepherd's dress and not be a shepherd. And the prophets had acquired a, 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 a similar type of dress. The sheepskin mantle had become the uniform of the prophets, just as the Greek philosophers wore the philosopher's robe. It was a mantle that the prophet could be distinguished by. And um, there were those who would wear a, a prophet's cloak, 
but they wouldn't live the life of a prophet. The prophet Zechariah speaks of this when referring to the judgment of the false prophets. And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophet shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he hath prophesied, neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. Remember, we, we looked um, a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were looking at um, the kings and uh, the, the rough garment was the attire of the prophets, usually made from uh, the hair of a camel. Uh, and if you remember, uh, the, when they came back, Elijah, uh, he said he was a hairy man, and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins, and Ahab knew straight away, that's Elijah, the Tishbite. John the Baptist wore that type of clothing as well. The same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. False prophets dressed exactly the same way that Elijah did and John the Baptist did, but they were doing that in order to deceive. And we know they were false prophets in the Old Testament time. Jeremiah said, look, 70 years, you're going to go into captivity. The false prophets who looked exactly the same as Jeremiah said, no, no, two years, we'll be done. Which message was more appealing? Oh, the two years. Yeah, let's go, let's go with the two years. That's far more comfortable. But which message was true? Which message was from God? Which message was solid in its Bible doctrine? Which message was solid in its prophecy? Which message was thus saith the Lord? The 70 years. But the false prophets who were wolves in sheep's clothing had convinced the people in that two years and you'll be back and it'll all be done with. And they'd be like, oh, that's great. No need to repent if it's only two years. False teachers are literally disguising what they really are in order to be effective, presenting themselves as a servant of Christ. Remember, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. So how do we detect these false prophets? Ye shall know them, Jesus said, by their fruits. Um, do men gather grapes of thorns or of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. Um, how do you know if somebody is a false prophet? Um, is there a way to determine this? And yeah, there is, a, there is absolutely a way to determine this. The Bible gives us a description of the traits of false prophets. Um, first of all, we know a tree by the fruit that it produces. Um, fruit reveals the tree. It helps us to know what the tree is. We know when a tree is an apple tree or a fig tree or an orange tree or a lemon tree or a cherry tree. Uh, and we know by the fruit that it produces. Jesus said that you may know 100%, clearly, you may know. Now, that means to have full knowledge. Fruit discloses the true character of a person. The fruit of each tree reveals the character of the tree, and the fruit of the person reveals the character. You can misjudge a tree by its... I haven't got a clue when it comes to leaves. You know, I, I probably... I'm, I'm okay with an oak tree, I think. That's probably the one I would be able to describe by its leaf. But other than that, not a clue. You might not be able to describe the tree by its leaves, but you could certainly describe the tree by its fruit. 
those that examine the fruit can avoid the wolves in sheep's clothing. How can we determine the character of a false teacher? Well, what type of fruit are they producing? Um, We see that they have um, certain traits. And as we look at these traits, they kind of describe these false teachers. And we have seen plenty of people who have been messed up when they've been given the wrong kind of advice. The worst thing that can happen is when people are given the wrong spiritual advice, when it's not biblical. Um, False prophets, the Lord said, are corrupt. Um, You know, the the trees are um, corrupt. Um, And false prophets are corrupt. Um, The word corrupt, it does not signify um, that the tree has been good and has then become ineffective or defective. It was a corrupt tree from the beginning. It is useless in character. Um, It produces nothing beneficial. Um, a, A man cannot be a saint and a lost sinner at the same time. He's either one or the other. False prophets are corrupt. False prophets are greedy. You know, oftentimes, you know, when you look at analogies in the Bible and you talk about the devil being like a roaring lion, and oftentimes people say, oh yeah, well the thing is, Christ is described as a lion, and you know, and the devil's described as like, the devil's described as a roaring lion, not just a lion. A lion only roars when he's about to attack. Um, so you, you get the picture uh, of what um, we are being told um, by Peter, that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, you know, when you think of a wolf, um, you might not kind of have much thought about a wolf. You maybe never even considered one. Um, but a wolf is an incredible and interesting animal. Um, they are created for hunting. And that's what they do. When a wolf gets hungry, his sense of smell is enhanced. And in the right atmosphere, a wolf can smell prey up to one and a half miles away. Um, Wolves can also run at 28 miles an hour in short sprints over the terrain and 22 miles an hour for approximately two miles. Um, The hearing of a wolf, it's believed that an upper range uh, of wolf's hearing is 80 kilohertz. The upper range of our hearing is about 20 kilohertz. A wolf can hear up to six miles away in a forest and 10 miles away in open areas. Um, They kind of um, hear sounds in the range uh, where bats produce sound. So that's the, the kind of acute hearing that a wolf has. When it sleeps, a wolf's ears stand straight up so it can catch sounds made by other animals all the time. Uh, This helps the wolf to catch prey. It lets it know when danger is near. And all of these hunting tools are needed to help the wolf fulfill its appetite to destroy. When it comes to their ravenous appetites, on average, wolves eat nine pounds of meat per day during the winter and have enormous stomachs. Although the wolf is capable of eating large quantities of food in a short time with its 42 teeth, um, such quantities are not always available, and they can survive several days without eating. And they could probably last about two weeks without food. 
False prophets are described as ravening wolves. And that talks about their greed. You know, one of the things, when I first became a Christian, I, I never knew anything about televangelists. Um, I never knew, um, you know, we, ne- we never had Sky, so I never had the God Channel. And it was something that when I first came to this church, I used to kind of get frustrated quite a lot at the God Channels because of the nonsense that was on there. Um, but the amount of people on there that are greedy, you know, we'll pray for you if you send us your money. You know, we've got this magic hanky, and you wave it on your wallet, and, um, you know, money will turn up in there. Jamie will have one of them now tomorrow. But you, you, you get this green hanky, and, um, you know, as, as, as long as you send in to money, you know, it's not free. Costs about thirty dollars for this this green hanky miracle manna bread. Um, you know, you go to Israel and the stuff that is on sale in Israel. You know, water that will perform miracles. No, it won't. Oil that will cure all host of diseases. No, it won't. It's people making money, making money from God's word. Yeah, we'll pray for you. The hanky's free, but you've got to send in $30 to activate there. Oh, there's an activation fee, is there? Brilliant. You know, Benny Hinn used to crack me up. Um, he'd heal everybody in these stadiums. And I'm like, if, if you've got such an incredible gift, get to the hospitals. Where were you doing COVID? You know, get, in, get into the hospitals and, and use this wonderful skill you've got. Um, and they've been proven to be frauds. A lot of them. And you look, um, I've been passing for 17 years now, and I've not got a private jet yet. Oh, you'll be amazed at how many of these false prophets have got mansions, have got jets, have got millions in the bank. Um, why? Because they're ravening wells. And do you know what the frustrating thing is? Millions of people are drawn in by it because they want a quick fix. They don't want to do the, the legwork to get on their knees and, and plead before the Lord. This hanky will fix all my problems. This miracle manna bread will, will just make everything go away. This, this miracle water that the Lord Jesus Christ blessed at some point, um, you know, 2,000 years ago that miraculously is still available and hasn't run out yet that will improve your life. It's all a quick fix. If it's that incredible and that wonderful, why not give it away for free? If it'll change your life and it'll bring you to Christ, then give it away for nothing. Ravening wolves. An extortioner is one who obtains money or other material possessions from people by deception. And that's exactly what they do. They deceive. Ezekiel says this, Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. We see that in the sons of Eli. That's exactly what Eli's sons were. They were wicked. They served in the tabernacle for their own gain. They were skimming off the top when people brought their offerings into the tabernacle because they were making a fortune from it. They had merchandised the offerings of God to fill their own pockets. And Jesus said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Because you're doing exactly the same. You devour widows' houses and for a pretense, make a long prayer. Ye shall receive the greater damnation. The Pharisees did exactly the same. 
They were false prophets. Or they looked the part, they were the religious elite of the day, the religious leaders of the day. The people looked to them for religious matters, and they were making a pretty penny from the everyday, average, ordinary believer who just wanted to get close to God. And that type of extortion goes on today. And we need to be aware of that. False prophets are corrupt. False prophets are greedy. They are liars. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust a lie. There's a lot of lies in the world today made to look like truth. John said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, a lot of false prophets won't preach on sin or judgment or the, the dangers of hell or the need to come to Christ as Savior. Two of the world's most flourishing I can't use another word other than cults. Two of the most world's flourishing cults, the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses, reject the biblical doctrine of hell. And people are flocking to those cults in their droves. Why? Because they're not offensive. You know, but the problem is, I, I just um, for Bible class, just studied um, the Mormons in, in quite a bit of detail. And it's incredible that the deeper you get involved with the Mormons, similar to the Masonic Lodge, the worse the rituals get um, and the harder it is to get out. The words of Matthew Henry are very appropriate at this juncture. Matthew Henry said, If the doctrine be of God, it will tend to promote serious piety, humility, charity, holiness, and love with other Christian graces. But if, on the contrary, the doctrine these false prophets preach have a manifest tendency to make people proud, worldly, and contentious, to make them loose and careless in their conversations, unjust or uncharitable, factious or disturbers of the public peace, this wisdom is not from above. We see um, the, um, the, the, the detection of false prophets, the declaration of false prophets, but then the Lord talks about the destruction of the false prophets. He said in verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. A bad, you know, just I'm sure all of us have done gardening at some time and, you know, there's been a, a bush or something in the garden that hasn't grown as it should or is, is not as pretty as it should be or there's a tree where it kind of, you know, it's maybe a bit rotten or diseased or, and what do we do? We, we cut it down. You know, there was a, um, it was a Dutch elm disease not so long ago they went through where they literally cut down thousands and thousands and thousands of trees because what they don't want to do is for that disease to be passed on to other trees. Uh, and a tree that is no good is hewn down, is destroyed. And that's the destiny of false teachers. That's the destiny of anybody who does not know Christ as their Savior. Now then, can somebody know Christ as their Savior and still preach error? Um, uh, yeah, of course they can. Um, that is possible. But the false prophet purposely preaches error. And purposely deceives people. Um, the punishment 
of those who are lost, and the punishment of the false prophet is severe. The punishment of the false prophet will be more severe than the punishment of those who are lost because of the fact that he leads so many astray. The person who endeavors to deceive you by making you feel good while your destiny is hell, they've got a lot to answer for. If somebody refuses to preach on the dangers of hell, if somebody refuses to stand up and say, you are a sinner, and without Christ you are destined to be judged in a place called hell, you need to, be, you need to repent. Faith in Christ, repentance towards God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if somebody doesn't stand up and proclaim that, then what are they doing? They are just making people comfortable as they head towards a Christless hell. You know, I've been told that I'm too preachy. I've been told that I'm too um, uh, judgmental and that, uh, you know, I was always preaching on judgment. Well, the Lord talked about it quite a lot. And if people don't trust Christ as their Savior, then judgment is what they're going to receive. If people don't trust Christ as their Savior, then hell will be their home. And I am not going to stand in this pulpit and not tell you about hell. Because it's a real place. And unless you trust Christ as your Savior, that is your eternal destiny. Does God want you to go there? No, absolutely not. That's why Christ died upon the cross. So that you don't have to go to hell. You know, the greatest false prophet in the world today is Satan himself. But the false prophet who proclaims a false gospel, the false prophet who looks the part and acts the part, uh, is simply doing the bidding of the devil. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And if it does not line up with the scripture, if they've got to alter the scripture in order to make their point, then it's not of God. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. And I don't know where everybody is tonight, those who are watching online, and maybe there are some in the church here who have never trusted Christ. Let me tell you something. If you were to die right now without Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. The Lord Jesus Christ talked more about hell than he did about heaven. It is a place of torment. It is a place where the worm dieth not. It is a place where thirst is never quenched. It is a place that is so hot you cannot even begin to imagine the torment that you will suffer for eternity. What kind of a God would send people to hell? He doesn't. That's why Christ died upon the cross. So you don't have to go to hell. That you might have a home in heaven. Christ died so that our sins could be forgiven. So that when we die, we can be with him. We can't be with him if we don't go his way. His way is through the blood that was shed upon the cross. Our way, the broad way, leads to destruction. His way, the narrow way, leads to everlasting life. Beware of false prophets. Even if you are saved, you might hear sometimes a preacher and think, ooh, that's really good. Is it what the word of God says? Or is it going to lead you astray? Beware of false prophets. They are very real in the world today. And they are not of 
God. Line everything up with the scripture. Know the word of God. This, with the Holy Spirit's guide, will protect us and help us to identify those who do not proclaim the truth. Father, we thank you again for this day and for this time together this evening and for your word, Lord. And we recognize um, that this was an important topic. Otherwise, the Lord Jesus Christ would never have mentioned it. There were so many people recorded in Scripture that simply tried to lead people astray. We saw that this morning in the life of Jehu and the golden calves that were reestablished as a religious center of worship in Israel. Father, there have been many people in the past that have claimed to be something that they are not, and they've simply been wolves in sheep's clothing. So would you help us to identify that? Would you help us to have a discerning spirit so that we might know? Would you help us to be diligent in reading your word so we might apply it to our hearts and lives, that we might hide it in our hearts so we might not sin against you? Help us to be a student of the word. Help us to rely solely upon the Holy Spirit's leading and give us that conviction we need when our spirit does not bear witness with the spirit of untruth. So, Father, would you help us, we pray, especially in this day and age where there is so much nonsense on the internet and there is so much um, rubbish being proclaimed. We recognize the time is running out. We recognize that the Lord's return is close. But Father, instead of believing every lie and every wind of doctrine and being tossed about by every wind of doctrine, let us stick to the word of God and hold fast to the truth that you yourself have proclaimed. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our last hymn together.
Man, I wonder if Len would close us in a word of prayer. Thank you, Len.